Jewish audio on Kaban.org. Rambam, Hilchah Shabbos, the laws of Shabbos, chapter 21, Pedic Echod V'Esrim. We segue into a whole different category of Shabbos laws. And they are the category of rabbinic decrees, Shabbos, Sabbath rabbinic decrees, called Shvus, or Shvut. And he explains the idea of Shvus in chapter 1, in, in paragraph 1. The Torah says, Tishbos, you shall rest, or you shall cease activity. General term, Tishbos, even from performing certain activities that are not technically included in the category of the 39 forbidden labors. According to the idea of tishbos, of resting, there should be additional forbidden labors. There are a multitude of things which our sages prohibited within this category of shvus, which is a word coming from tishbos. It means to rest. Rabbinic decrees calling for rest, connected loosely to Torah prohibitions. Mayhan, some of them are dvorim, asurim, activities which were prohibited. Why? Because although they're not technically forbidden labors, but they appear to be very similar, so they're close. So our sages say, be careful. People will confuse them. That's one category. Or mayhem, there's another category. Dvarim asurim, activities which are actually forbidden. Gezero shemoyove mayhem iserskila. Because one may do what one is going to do, and one may inadvertently actually violate the Torah prohibition that under certain circumstances could result in skila, in the punishment of stoning, where during the time that the Sanhedrin was functioning, if the witnesses saw and warned, don't do it, you're not allowed to do it, and the guy said, I don't care, could actually result in skila, and the rabbis forbade actions which could inadvertently lead to those activities. And now he goes on to enumerate Many, many of these activities, and they are many, and they go on and on and on. This particular chapter 21 has 36 paragraphs. Kol Hamash Vegumais, number one, and we have to understand the big deal of Mash Vegumais with the cultural understanding that once upon a time, they didn't have carpets or marble floors or wooden floors or tiles or cement as we have today. People lived on dirt floors. Someone who was a good housekeeper, who had a good housekeeping seal, their floors were smooth. Someone who wasn't had bumpy floors with cracks and crevices. So it was a big thing to have smooth floors. A challenge if you're sitting on dirt. Therefore, he says, anybody who levels crevices in the ground, you make sure that the cracks and crevices are no longer cracks and crevices, they're leveled. So I have, I have the smoothest floor in the county. The problem is that it's so similar to plowing. And therefore our sages said, no leveling cracks and crevices. Lefikal, therefore, there are many things that are prohibited by our sages as an outgrowth of plowing. First of all, it is forbidden to use 
the outside field as a bathroom to defecate in the field that's just lying there. Shemayashvagumas, because that might level the ground. And there are many other examples. Hamafanes ha'itzah b'shabas. If somebody has a storeroom that one hasn't used for a while, and one needs to empty the storeroom, why would you empty a storeroom on Shabbos? Because you just got guests. Or because you have to conduct a class, and that's where you need to study. Or whatever good reason, mitzvah-related reason. He's going to bring guests in, he's going to study. He should not empty the entire storeroom. Because the next item on the agenda after emptying a storeroom is smoothing out the floor. We're concerned that he's going to be leveling the crevices, which is the violation of this rabbinic law. Or another example is, you come out from outside and your shoes picked up mud. So you have to get the mud off. Happens to all of us. How do you get the mud off? <clears throat> the way to do it is, for the purpose of this Shabbos law, is to clean it on a wall or on a beam. <inaudible> but not on the ground. Because if you clean your mud off on the ground, <inaudible> you're going to be smoothing out the crevices, the cracks. Another example, <inaudible> don't spit on the ground and wipe it with the feet. <inaudible> Less crevices will be leveled. However, when one has spit, it's permissible to just walk over it without having any specific intent, as long as it's laying there, and as long as you're not intending to rub it into the ground. Another example. It seems to me from my reading that there was an activity that women used to engage in, a little bit like uh, dice or some kind of semi-gambling activity, to pass the time. They used to play with nuts and almonds and so on. And they had various things they did with these nuts or the almonds. It was a game. It's forbidden to use these nuts or almonds and Shabbos and play this game. Because that will also cause the crevices and the cracks to be smoothened if you're playing it on the ground and you're smoothing the ground while you're doing it. Another important halacha. It's forbidden to sweep. It's an interesting question. Ask somebody, are you allowed to sweep the floor on Shabbos? The average person will tell you, sure, what's the problem? And the truth is that nowadays, with our floors, you're probably allowed to sweep it, as long as you're not using a broom whose pieces come out easily. But back then, when you had dirt floors, you're not allowed to sweep the floor. Because that's a classical activity of Shemayashra Gumis, of leveling cracks and crevices. Unless it was paved with stones, then it's a whole different ballgame. And when one sweeps stones, one has to be careful what kind of broom one uses. A broom whose bristles are likely to break may not be used. It is permissible to sprinkle water on the ground so that the dust not rise. He doesn't have to worry about leveling crevices. He's not intending to do that. One may not apply oil to a floor, which is what they did back then. One should not blow the dust off the floor. One should not wash a floor. Because in general, we have to watch out. And here comes another detail. A person should not act. On Shabbos, as he acts during the week. And on the way, he'll also level crevices in a place where it's not paved. Which is why all these activities should be minimized, if not forbidden, on Shabbos by rabbinic law. A courtyard which became ruined in a rainy season. 
and you literally can't walk there because of the mud, maybe Kevin Umaradabe. One may bring straw and spread it over the courtyard. When he does, he should not spread it, not with a basket or a container, which is how one usually does it. Using rather the underside of the container to make it unusual. He shouldn't do it in the same mode as he does it during the week. This could also lead someone to smoothing, smoothing out the cracks and the crevices in the earth. So that's that law. <clears throat> Moving right along. Hamashkes hazeroyim, a person who waters plants, chayav mishum zeireya, or waters seeds, could be culpable for performing a derivative of the forbidden labor of planting. Planting is one of the 39 labors. Watering is a derivative. We learned earlier. Fico, therefore, what about drawing water when you're next to that setting, also, it's forbidden, therefore, to draw water from a cistern. Using a pulley, because the pulley takes a lot of water out, I believe, and we're concerned that he's going to want to water his garden, or he's going to want to water a rune that he has to flood it, because of this, if the pulley cistern was in a courtyard nowhere near to the field or the garden, he may use the pulley to draw the water. A person who detaches produce or wood is liable for performing a derivative of the forbidden labor of reaping, which is a labor. So reaping is the av, is the primary labor, and detaching produce or wood is a derivative. Therefore, our sages decreed that lafikach oser, lirdeis, dvash mikaveres b'shabbos, it's forbidden to remove honey from a beehive on Shabbos. Bipneshu katelish, because it's similar, it resembles detaching produce. Another example, ain't Eilin be Elon, one should not climb a tree on Shabbos, ben lach ben yobesh, whether it's a moist tree or a dried out tree, because what do you do when you climb trees? You harvest, you pluck. Ve'in itlan be Elon, you shouldn't even hang on a tree. Ve'in ismachan be Elon, you shouldn't even lean on a tree. You shouldn't even ascend up the tree while it's still daytime, even if you intend to remain there in your tree house a whole Shabbos. Furthermore, you don't use any plants which are attached to the ground. Why? Rabbinic decree. Lest you pluck them, lest you detach them. Rabbinic decree to avoid this. Transgression. Zayin, In that case, what is the law? Can we use fruit that fell from a tree on Shabbos? Also, la'ochan is forbidden to eat them. Ad matzoi Shabbos until Saturday night. Gzeda, because we're concerned. Our sages were concerned. If you're going to allow the eating of the fruit that fell, shema yitle, you pluck them. Hadas hamachuber. What about a myrtle that's still attached to the ground? Can I walk over on Shabbos and smell it? But you can't. Because the benefit we derive from myrtles is we smell them. So you smell them. You're not going to want to do anything else. But on the other hand, conversely, an estrog, the tapuach, or an apple, or anything that's edible, would be forbidden to smell the aroma while it's still attached. Our sages instituted a decree, perhaps he'll detach, pick it, to partake of it. Therefore, don't even go over and smell the estrog or the apple on Shabbos from the tree. What if the tree has large roots? They are three hand breaths above the ground. A hand breadth is 3.15 inches. Also, one may not sit on them, because again, it's the root of the tree is considered like a tree. But if it's not three hand breaths high, 
Then we learned earlier the principle, anything less than three handbreadths high, harehen ka'orets, are like the ground. So one may, one may sit on the ground. What if they start higher than three handbreadths and they come into three handbreadths? But one may use it. But if they're more than three, even though one side is level with the ground, or there's a hollow crevice of three, one may not sit on them, like a tree. Now the question is, can we ride an animal on Shabbos? The answer is no. Rabbinic law. One may not ride on an animal on Shabbos. Why not? a rabbinic decree, the same issue, lest a person cut a branch to use as a switch to guide the animal. Because you can't just ride an animal, you need something. So the tendency is you pluck a switch, you take a branch. Therefore our sages say, no riding animals on Shabbos. We may not hang from an animal. No way may we climb onto an animal before Shabbos is over so we can sit on it. I'm sorry. We may not climb on an animal before Shabbos begins so we can sit on it on the Shabbos. I'm not even going to ride it. I'm just going to sit on it. You don't support yourself by leaning on an animal. But to use articles hanging from the animal, the support of support is permissible. What if he climbed the tree on Shabbos, where we rabbinically you're not supposed to? If he inadvertently climbed the tree, he can come down, if he says, I don't care. And he climbed the tree, also later than by halacha. If he wants to follow the law, he may not come down. Climbing an animal, I feel amazed even if he did it intentionally, he must come down. Why don't they tell him, stay on the animal, just like they told him, stay on the tree? Here comes a whole category of law. Because our sages did not want to issue a decree that would cause pain to an animal. To keep a weight on an animal for a prolonged time is pain and suffering to the animal. Along the same lines, we segue over to the halacha that says, Therefore, one may remove a load from an animal on Shabbos. Because of the pain that the animal endures. It's on the animal. We, have, we are compassionate. The animal has this load. Ketzad, for example. What if somebody had an animal that had a habersack or habersack? A big load of grain. We should not unload the grain like one usually would, but do it in an unusual way. For example. He puts his head under the load. Using his head to push the load off balance. And the load will fall off the animal. So he didn't unload it. It got unloaded. Or if he's coming from a road trip and it's Friday night. And his animal is laden. As soon as he comes to the most outer courtyard within the city where you can carry, where you can do things. He immediately removes that from the animal which may be touched on Shabbos. And those that may not be touched. The ropes and the ties and the stuff falls off by itself. We're concerned about the pain the animal is feeling. What if he's just going to undo the ropes and the stuff is going to fall off and there's breakables? If there were small sacks, maybe then you put pillows and blankets to absorb and to prevent the breaking. And they fall on the pillows. It's not a problem where he's going to prohibit the use of a pillow which was set aside to be used on Shabbos because if he wants to, he can pull out the pillow. Because the sacks which fell onto the pillow or which will fall onto the pillow are light and small. He didn't undo the use of these pillows which were set to be used on Shabbos. He didn't unuse them. This is a principle we're going to talk about. Nullifying the possibility of using a utensil prepared for use on the Shabbos. 
If they were containing pieces of glass, large pieces of glass, which one uses for processing, he can undo the sacks and let them fall, even though they'll break. Because it's going to be used to melt it down anyway. Well, the Hefzid Mu'at, our sages were not concerned about a minor loss. But if they were large and full, with glass, he should gently unload. Nevertheless, he shouldn't leave them on the animal, because we're very concerned with the suffering of the animal, a very important principle in Torah law. 11, Yud Aleph, Hamadabik, Petus, Ashiyosu Gufechad. If somebody presses fruit together until they become a single entity of a block of pressed fruit, Chayab Mishuma Amir, he could be liable for performing the forbidden labor of Ma'amir, which means bundling, collecting food together. The Fiko, therefore, our sages say, Mishan is Pazrule Pereza Bachatzede. A person whose fruits have been spread out throughout his courtyard, he can collect it by hand, little by little, and eat it. But he should not put it into a basket, or into a box, or a container, as he would during weekday, because if he does, as he does by, in weekday, we're concerned that he's going to press them with his hands in the container and perform the labor of imur, which is collecting food, like they do with bundles of grain, like they do with bundles of grain. Similarly speaking, salt and the like should not be collected into a single block. Because it seems and appears like collecting food. Twelve mephodeik. A person who extracts, and here comes a complex law, rabbinic law, extracting food from raw produce is a derivative of chayav mishum dosh, threshing, which is of the labors of Shabbos. So extracting food is a derivative of threshing. Therefore, if somebody squeezes zeisim banovim, olives and grapes, Chayiv Mishum he is liable for extracting. Because the primary purpose that grapes and olives are grown for is to extract liquid, grape juice and olive oil. But with regard to other fruits, it's not as common to use them for squeezing. And this is the principle that we're going to be going by. Others say that the fruits of other juices are not considered liquids, they're considered food. So the biggie is olives and grapes. The fikah, therefore, as an outgrowth of that, also it's forbidden, our rabbi said, it's forbidden to squeeze two simbirimein in berries and pomegranates. Hail, mixes many of them, of course there is a culture to squeeze them, similar to olives and grapes. So people will begin by squeezing berries and pomegranates, ending up squeezing olives and grapes. But other fruits, and he lists here some fruits, quinces, apples, and crab apples, they may be squeezed on Shabbos, because they're not usually squeezed. <coughs> Pickled foods or cooked foods, which are squeezed to soften them. If it's to soften their body, but if it's to get the juice out, also it's forbidden. One should not crush snow with the intent that the liquid should come out. But he may crush it into a bowl or into a cup, and the liquid will come out. Garlic, unripe grapes, or unripe grain that were crushed before Shabbos. If there's still need further crushing, also ligma dichasim b'shabbos, it's forbidden to complete that crushing act on Shabbos. But 
if if it's necessary that they be crushed further by hand, it's permissible to complete grinding them on the Shabbos by hand. Therefore, it's permitted to continue grinding kernels of grain with a wooden spoon in a pot on Shabbos after the pot was removed from the fire, because that's not the way they used to do it. That's just a hand manual grinding. 14. If one is removing grain from husks, he should do it in a changed, abnormal way. He shouldn't seem like he's extracting, which is a major labor. If somebody sucks milk out of the udder of a cow with its mouth, with his mouth, in general, milking is not pro- pro- permitted by a Jew on Shabbos. So he goes, oh, he's not feeling well, and the doctor says he needs cow's milk. So he walks over and sucks it with his mouth. However, if he's groaning from pain, it is permissible. Because he's extracting in an abnormal manner. Because of his pain, the decree was not issued. Even though he's not going to die, but nevertheless, it was permitted. The same extends to, some would say, to a person groaning from hunger. He needs the, the nourishment and so on. When fruits gave off liquid on Shabbos, if they are olives and grapes, which again, is like commercialized, the squeezing of olives and grapes. Also, you're not allowed to benefit from that olive oil or grape juice until after Shabbos. There's a decree, lest he intend to squeeze it on Shabbos. But if there were berries and pomegranates, if he brought them in to eat, we're not concerned if some juice came out. But if he brought them in to press, then we are concerned that any liquid that flowed from them is forbidden on Shabbos until Saturday night. When grapes or olives were crushed on Friday, when the liquids came out of themselves on Shabbos, they're permissible. So also honeycombs are crushed on Friday. The honey that comes out on Shabbos is permissible to use. Because there's no reason for a decree. Because he already crushed them before Shabbos. 17, Zedo, Beder, Me'abes, Melachas, winnowing and selecting our primary categories of forbidden labor. We're not allowed to winnow on Shabbos. We're not allowed to pick and select. The fecal, therefore, rabbinic decree, even though a person is permitted to remove grain from husks with his fingertips, but when he blows air over them to cause the husks to fall, he can do so only while holding them in his hand, blowing with all of his strength. But he shouldn't use a sifter or a strainer. Because we're concerned, he shouldn't use a, a tray or a pot, because we're concerned he's going to use a sifter or a strainer. Filtering the dregs, tell this Beder, is a derivative of selecting a merakid who or a derivative of sifting removing dregs filtering dregs <laughs> therefore even though halacha says it's permitted to filter clear wine or clear water using a handkerchief or an Egyptian basket on Shabbos he should not Make a hollow in the handkerchief to, ga- to gather the dregs as he would during the week. He shouldn't emulate his weekday activity. So he's going to be doing as he does during the week, filtering dregs with a filter. Similarly speaking, it's forbidden to hang a filter as one does during the week. In case he'll filter dregs. So also, causing milk to curdle, 
Teledas Beder, who is a derivative of separating Mephiko, uh, therefore, Afalpisha Neisnin. Even though it's permitted to place sesame streets and nuts into honey, one should not mix them into a block with one's hands. 18. One takes a vegetable and cuts it into tiny, tiny pieces in order to cook them. We learned that that's forbidden because it's a derivative of the forbidden labor of grinding. And he would be culpable. The fecal, therefore, as an outgrowth, it's forbidden to shed or to shred straw or carobs for an animal, whether a large animal or a small animal, I'm sorry, whether large pieces or small pieces, because it appears as if one is grinding. One can cut gourds before an animal, and a carcass before dogs. Because there's no concept of grinding with regard to fruit, only vegetables. It's permissible to untie bundles of straw before an animal. One may spread out small sheaves, but not large one, large ones. Because of the effort that that would entail. Nineteen. Sia, azov, or cornit. All these are terms, refers to species of hyssop. Hyssop is often used as animal fodder, but occasionally employed as food for humans, and at times it's used for kindling wood. So these three items, shechnis and lamachal behema, that were stored for the use of animal fodder, mistapik mehem, one may partake of them, v'keitem v'eicha b'roshetz b'esav, he can break off some with his fingertips, but not a lot with his hand. He shouldn't do as he does on the weekday. And he'll come to crush them. 20. Somebody needs to pulverize pepper or the like to season food on the Shabbos. He can crush it with the handle of a knife onto a bowl, he cannot use a grinder. Because he's grinding. And here we enter into a whole category of laws. For this reason, our sages forbade a healthy person to take medication on Shabbos. You know, today we take medication. What is the first thing we think about when we think medication? We think about pharmacy, drugstore, prescription. What is the first thing they thought about when they thought medication? Grinding. They didn't have drugstores. And if they did, the druggist ground. Today they have machines that count pills. They didn't have that back then. So therefore, our sages forbade back then the question is how that applies today, and that's a lot of discussion, but basically there are a lot of leniencies today. But back then, this whole idea of medication was equal to grinding and crushing. So our sages said, you're not allowed to medicate on Shabbos if you're basically healthy. Because we're concerned about grinding herbs. That's the norm. As an outgrowth of these decrees, a healthy person should not partake of things that are not usually eaten. A person should not usually should not partake of things that are not usually eaten by healthy people because they're medicinal and we don't want to take medicine on Shabbos. For example, he's of or not stuff that are stool softeners, like 
wormwood and similar. He shouldn't drink liquids that healthy people don't drink. Like waters cooked with herbs and grasses, because all these are medicinal. And people who are not sick should... Because if people are sick, then it's a whole different ballgame. You're not feeling well. But if people are borderline, they should stay away from medicinal stuff on Shabbos because of the grounding, grinding decree. 22 And the rule is, anybody could eat any food or drink that normal people eat, healthy people eat. Again, for example, ha. Coriander seed, hops, and hyssop. Even though they heal you, and people take them for medicinal purposes, but healthy people also eat them. So it's fine. If a person drank chiltis or chiltit before Shabbos, a plant known as asafitida, Possessing a resin that's bitter tasting, which is used as a remedy for chest pains, according to the Meiri. And he is drinking before Shabbos. He can drink it on Shabbos too. Even in places where healthy people don't drink this stuff. And Egyptian beer, which is also medicinal, may be drunk all over. Because, I guess healthy people use it as well. 23. What about oils? If healthy people use these oils to anoint themselves, and a person who's not healthy, so I use them as well. Even though for him, he's intending for healing. But oils that healthy people don't use are forbidden. If somebody's loins are hurting him, he may not anoint himself with wines, apply wine or vinegar, but he may apply oil, not rose oil, unless healthy people anoint themselves with rose oil in that culture. He may use oil and salt anywhere, anytime. If a person wounded his hand or foot, he may soak it in wine. Then it's not in vinegar. And if he was a delicate, if he had a delicate constitution, then even wine is forbidden. Twenty-four. If somebody has a toothache. He should not sip vinegar and spit it out. But he may sip and swallow. And if it helps, great. If he has a sore throat, he shouldn't gargle with oil. He could drink a lot of oil. If he gets healed, great. They used to have a certain chewing gum back then which was raw gum taken from trees and not commercially prepared chewing gum. One may not chew that gum on Shabbos. Our chewing gum is not a problem on Shabbos. One may not brush one's teeth with herbs on Shabbos if his intent is to cure discomfort. His intent is breath, clean breath, that's permissible. 25, and one may not put wine into one's eye, but may do it on the eye. Saliva taken from a person before he ate is forbidden to put on the eyelid. That was a medicinal application back then. Even on the eye. Kilor. An eye salve that was prepared before Shabbos, like an eye ointment. You can place it on the eye. On Shabbos, you shouldn't worry. person whose finger becomes wounded should not wind or read around it to heal it. He shouldn't squeeze it tightly to cause the blood to come out. That's also a rabbinic prohibition. 
26, One may not put hot water or oil on a wound. Not on a bandage that's on a wound. And not on a bandage to place it on the wound on Shabbos. But he could put the oil or the hot water around the wound. It could drip. And enter into the wound. One may put a soft Bandage on the wound. If it was old, it's forbidden. Because then it's like an official bandage. A bandage that fell onto a utensil, one can put it back on the wound. But if it fell on the ground, it's forbidden to put it back. In the base Hamigdash, you're allowed to do that. Because the Shvus is a rabbinic decree. Rabbinic decrees were not enacted in the base Hamigdash. Everywhere one is allowed to clean the opening of a wound because of danger. We may not clean a bandage lest one spread a salve. One may apply oil and massage the intestines on Shabbos. If he applies the oil and massage at the same time, they should differ from the weekday practice. They miss one should not work out on the Shabbos. What is work out? Exhausting. Toil. It means that people tread on a person's body forcefully until it becomes exhausted and perspires. Or or he walks vigorously until he exerts himself and begins to perspire. All of these for the purpose of exercise. It's forbidden to exercise, to exert oneself, to sweat on Shabbos, because it's part of the healing process. Of course, for a mitzvah, it's permissible to walk and to walk fast and to sweat. That's not a problem. You're not doing it to exercise. You're doing it to go to shul. Or you're doing it to go to a bris. It's also forbidden to stand in mud baths in Israel because this is also exerting and therapeutic. 29. One may not Wash in water, which causes the stool to soften. Nor in quicksand. Nor in water in which flax was left to soak. Not in the Dead Sea. Not in foul water in the Mediterranean. It makes you call Elotzar. All these are painful, ain't because of it, it says, also the Shabbos you shall declare Shabbos a delight. The above are not delightful. The fecal, therefore, if he didn't spend a lot of time there, emerged immediately, even though he has sores on his head. Mutter, it's permissible, because even though it heals, but it's a short time. Lamid ein misgorin bimagredes. One may not scrape skin with a utensil for that, used for that purpose. But if his hands were dirty with feces or with mud, then he should scrape. He shouldn't worry because he's got to get the dirt off. We may apply oil and peel off the scabs of a human. Wound, but not those of an animal. But if the animal was uncomfortable, then one may. When an animal ate an excessive amount of beans, we can have it run in the courtyard so it could become cured. If it turned red, one can put it in water so it'll cool off. And we're not concerned that we're going to go grind herbs. Lamedal of 31, a one may not cause oneself to vomit on Shabbos. Using a medicine, lest he grind medicine, but with one, one's hand, to push one hand, one's hand down one's throat, that would be permissible. 
the osur, litchei kreisha shotinik, one may not squeeze the belly of a baby, to cause him to go on Shabbos, because the next step is going to be, you're going to give him medicine that are going to loosen the bowel, and that's the medicine thing with the grinding. All of this is still the offshoot of the grinding. One may lift up place a, a, a neck brace. I'm sorry, one may pray, place a cup over an infant's navel to lift it up. Stomach ailments and so on. It's permissible to place a neck brace or a hip girdle around the child. One may lift up the tendons of a child's ears. Whether by hand or an instrument. Lift up a cartilage of one's che- on one's chest. All of the above. They're not connected to medicines, which could be ground. And these can avoid pain. Person's in pain. Another major labor is sifting. We may not sift straw in a sieve. No one may place this, nor may one place a sieve with straw in a high place so that the shaft will fall. Because it's like sifting. One may, however, place straw in a sieve and carry it to an animal's feeding trough. Even though the shaft falls while one is transferring it, because he's not intending for this to happen, and there we go to the rule of intent. Megabal, one who creates a mixture of small particles and water. Chayav Mishumlosh, this is a derivative of the forbidden labor of kneading. Lafiko, therefore, in Megablam Kemach Koli Harbe, one may not make a mixture of a large amount of roasted flour. Shemayavi Lolosh Kemach Shenakoli, lest he comes to knead unroasted flour, which is not permissible on Shabbos. But one may mix small amounts of roasted flour a little at a time. But grain that has not matured even to a third of its fullness. And it was roasted and coarsely ground. Like sand. It's called you, one, may grind, one may mix it with vinegar. Or similar. Harbe a lot, but soft. Avokosh, if it's firm, also it's forbidden. Mishinir kalosh, because it's like kneading. Sarachlashanas, one must make a change. This time he first puts the shatit and then the vinegar, rather than the norm, which is the vinegar first. 34. Amurson, bran, even though bran doesn't resemble a dough when it's mixed with watering, even though you don't mix it, or perhaps you'll mix it with water and earth. But one may pour the water over the bran, and stir it in all directions, but one may not mix with one's hand, so that it not appear that one is kneading. If it didn't mix, can pour it from one vessel to the other, until it mixes, and then give it to the chickens or the oxen. One may mix the bran in this manner in one vessel, and divide it into many vessels, and give it to each animal. One can mix even a large amount, a core or two cores, in one container. Thirty-five. One may not feed 
an animal, wild animal or bird on Shabbos like he does in the weekday. He has to do it differently. Lest he come to crush beans, or kneading flour, usually when a camel went on a trip, they used to force feed it enough food for three or four days so you shouldn't have to stop and feed it. You shouldn't do that on Shabbos. <coughs> you shouldn't force feed. A calf, hold its mouth open, and pour beans and water at the same time. That's another process of force feeding. Don't push food deep down enough, the mouths of doves or chickens, in a place where they can't spit it out. Another form of force feeding. However, you can feed an animal while it's standing, give it water while it's standing, and place water in its mouth, separately, and beans separately, as long as it doesn't go too deep, where the animal could still spit it out. He can force feed the bird with his hand as long as it doesn't go deeper than the point where the animal could spit, the bird can spit it out. He can give food before them. What kind of animals are we talking about? If somebody is forced, if someone has the responsibility to support these animals, his animal, his wild animal, or birds, doves, which are part of his household, and uh, geese and, and chickens. If someone's feeding is not his responsibility, like a pig, and doves who live in a nest, and bees, he should not give them food or drink on Shabbos. One may place one's animal on grass that's still growing and the animal could eat, but he may not put it on something that has been set aside not to be used on Shabbos. But he can stand before it so the animal will turn around and be forced to eat from that thing that was set aside not to be used on Shabbos. The same law applies to Yom Tov. End of chapter 21.